You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAfighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com and all of our broadcasting platforms, YouTube, podcast networks, and wherever and however you're listening to the show, we really appreciate it. My name is Mike Heck. The weather is starting to get a little warmer here in beautiful Berkshire County, Massachusetts. We got some snow earlier this week. The last two days, it's been 60 degrees, so I got my Red Sox polo on, but you know, it's starting to feel like baseball season out there, even though we can't really watch it on television right now. So I have my polo on, but it looks to be officially fight season for the UFC as we have another fun show today. We have an upcoming UFC event headliner. We have a world champion and one of the bright prospects in our sport coming on and joining us this week. And this seems to be a theme right now, week to week, kicking off the show. But a lot has happened since the last time we spoke. Not only is UFC 249 going down on May 9th, which is nine days from right now on next Saturday night. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this right now. Like, this is how close we are to having fights once again. The UFC is tripling up for that week with an event also on May 13th and another one on May 16th, all taking place in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, UFC 249 is stacked. You got the two title fights, Ferguson versus Gaethje, Cejudo versus Cruz. We got Ngannou versus Rosenstreich. We got Stevens versus Cater, Hardy versus DeCastro. Cerrone versus Pettis is on the freaking prelims. That's how good this card is and much, much more. And listen, you can say what you want about the media and the questions we may have about health and safety, but on a personal level, I'm kind of getting that old feeling again, that sense that a big night of fights is coming up. And during this crazy time in the world, I'm not going to lie, this is going to be a breath of fresh air for me. But, uh, you know, as long as everything is good to go from that health and safety perspective, we still don't have many details on that. I'm just I'm just as excited about this, probably like most of you are right now. May 13th, that's a Wednesday night event on ESPN+. Plus. It's going to be on ESPN as well, from what I understand. But uh, that's expected to be headlined by Anthony Smith taking on Glover Teixeira. We just found out Alex Hernandez is going to fight Drew Dober on that card. So Alex Hernandez went is going to go from beating COVID-19 to maybe beating Drew Dober like a few weeks later. I don't know if you can find a better you know win streak than that in the history of MMA. But uh, that's a great fight at 155. You got Ovin St. Preux jumping up to heavyweight to fight Ben Rothwell. Sajara Eubanks versus Sarah Morris. So some of the fights announced for that event off the top of my head. And then May 16th, that's going to be headlined by Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem. And that event's starting to take shape as well. Some fights being agreed upon. Edson Barboza dropping to 145 to fight Dan Ige. Song Yudong versus Marlon Vera. That's a great fight. We get Eric Anders versus Christoph Yako. These are all confirmed at this point. So get ready for... Uh, just a whole bunch of events, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, moving forward, Dana White mentioned May 23rd. Not a ton has come out about that event. I assume May 30th is probably on the radar. June 6th is a pay-per-view. And that was the event, I believe, that was supposed to be held in Perth, Australia. And from what I've been told, the UFC is working on a couple of big fights for that June 6th event. A title fight is one of those fights. An interesting fight at 170 is being really discussed right now, but nothing is done as far as pen to paper at this point, but it sounds like the UFC is going to try to stack the deck for that pay-per-view as well, and June 13 looks to still be in the cards as well. The biggest fight, of course, we're going to discuss later on in the show. All I can say is buckle up 
Things have been crazy, and it seems like this is just the beginning, so stick with us at MMAfighting.com for all sorts of coverage of these events, interviews, pre- and post-shows. We're not sure if we're going to be in Florida covering any of these events with there being limited media, but if we can, we, of course, will be there. If not, we will still make things happen the best we can for you. So let's run down the lineup on this week's edition of What the Heck. Later on the show, we will check in with Bellator featherweight Aaron Pico. It's been a Real interesting start to his MMA career. He's already had, already had eight fights, only 23 years old. He's experienced winning streaks, highlight reel finishes. He's dealt with losing a losing streak, highlight reel finishes on the wrong end, but he got back on track in January with another nasty knockout win over Daniel Carey at Bellator 238. So we'll check in one of the sport's bright prospects a little bit later on. We're going to check in with... Marlon Marais, the number one ranked Bantamweight contender in the UFC. He got a title shot last year against Henry Cejudo. He came up short in that fight. He just had that fight in December with Jose Aldo. And regardless of how you may have scored that fight, Marlon Marais picked up a split decision win. And now he's scheduled to face Piotr Jan in the main event of the UFC's June 13th event. Is that fight still happening? Could it still be happening in Kazakhstan? We'll get the latest on that and more from Marlon Marais. We're going to kick things off with the reigning defending Bellator welterweight champion and welterweight Grand Prix winner Douglas Lima. He was scheduled to fight Gegard Mousasi for the vacant Bellator middleweight title, coincidentally enough, on May 9th at Bellator 242. That event was postponed, as is every event from Bellator, through June 6th at this point. We're going to check in with the Phenom and see if that fight is still the plan. We're going to talk about Rory McDonald moving on to the PFL and much more. So here is my conversation with the champ, Douglas Lima. All right, we have the reigning Bellator welterweight champion Douglas Lima on the show. This man was scheduled to face Gegard Mousasi for the Bellator middleweight title on May 9th. But unfortunately, with the COVID-19 pandemic, Bellator 242 and a bunch of future events are now postponed. But we're happy to have the Phenom here for a few minutes to talk about everything that's going on with him. Douglas, how are you, man? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking and thank you for jumping on. First thing... There are things way more important than fighting right now with everything going on in the world. How are you, the family, those around you doing during this uncertain and pretty rough time in the world? Uh, yeah, it's tough, man, but uh, everything is going good. Uh, you know, staying a lot more with the family, you know, my brother's family as well. So uh, I know it's tough out there, but we can't complain. Everything is going good for us, you know. Bellator still is offering up some cool programming during these times, including the debut of Bellator Recharged on the CBS Sports Network, the debut show on Saturday night. They went back to revisit Bellator 192 in January of 2018, and it was the first time you had fought Rory McDonald, and you had lost that fight via unanimous decision. And it's not always the most fun thing to talk about a loss, but you know, in, in the grand scheme of things and where it's taken you since that point... How important to your career was that night in Inglewood, California, despite not coming away with the decision in a crazy fight like that? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's so good. You know, it's still a good fight to show. You know, a lot of fans really enjoyed that fight. Uh, it, was a good, it was a good back and forth war. You know, even though I lost the fight, you know, I still got a lot of uh, good feedback from it, you know, and... Uh, a good fight. It was definitely a fight that I needed. You know, I guess I, I guess I needed to to lose that fight to learn. You know what I mean? I was 
really learned a lot from that fight, and uh, I'm thankful for it. You know, and I'm sure a lot, a lot more people are gonna enjoy it still. You know, it was still a, still a good fight. What specifically did you take away from that fight to set you up for this incredible run you're on right now? You got to extract some revenge, and you got to become the Bellator champion again. Uh, definitely like the mental, mental part of the fighting. You know, that's what I learned the most from that fight. You know, I mean, Rory was pretty much done. You know, after that fourth round, and then he still came back. You know, got a got a quick takedown in the beginning of the round, and you know, won the fight. You know what I mean? So uh, just being able to push through those sort of barriers, you know, through a fight, is not for everybody. You know what I mean? I really learned that from him that night. You know what I mean? It's just uh, the will to keep fighting no matter, no matter what the circumstances, you know. So uh, very thankful for that moment. You know, it was a grueling fight, you know, especially for him with that crazy, you know, injury from the leg kick. So uh, it's good to... Good to people see, you know, what he, what he went through the fight and still came off the war. Even though he was against me, you know, it was just, uh, you know, a lesson that he taught me that night, you know, in that area. We know that Rory has since moved on from the promotion and you guys are one and one. And I know you're moving on to other things, a chance to win a second title. But is there a part of you that wishes you could run that one back, get that third one in there to see who the better man would be in a three fight series? Uh, yeah, yes and no, you know, because, uh, man, we had, you know, 20, you know, 50 minutes already in the cage, you know, uh, I definitely learned, you know, from that fight, and I don't think I'll ever lose to him again, if I'm being honest, you know, just on my, just my take, you know what I mean, but, uh, it would definitely be good to have a trilogy to, a trilogy to really, you know, make sure, you know, who's the, who's the better fighter, but, uh, but no, I'm happy for him, you know, I'm happy that he's moving on, you know, he's looking out for himself. I was definitely very shocked and surprised, you know, that he moved over there. But uh, I guess he got a better deal, I don't know, something something was better for him, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm just happy for him, and I'm happy we got to share, you know, those 50 minutes. But you never know what happens in this MMA world, you know, we might, you know, you know cross each other's paths again in the future, who knows, you know? Yeah, it's very true, and uh, this is a crazy sport, this mixed martial arts, as I'm sure you know by now, but this has been quite the stretch you've been on since that Roy McDonald fight. You went through the Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix, you had some great performances, you reclaimed the Welterweight title, and you won a million dollars to boot. It's going to be pretty tough to top that, is it not? Uh, yeah, but uh, man, looking forward to another run, you know, in the middleweight title, and then, you know, defend there, go back and defend our seventy. You know, there's always something bigger out there, you know what I mean? And uh, let's start out with this fight a middleweight. You know, I think this is a huge fight. You know, uh, such a big name, you know, moving up a weight class. Man, this is, you know, we got everything to make it even bigger. You know, I just got to stay focused and train hard and keep winning this fight. You know, and, uh, you know, make the most out of this time. You know, I got to enjoy this health. You know, uh, this moment that I'm living, I think is really good. So, uh you know, make the most of it. I'm sure we got bigger things coming. So despite everything going on in the world and everything being postponed, at least for the foreseeable future, is that still the plan? Like once things get back up and running, you and Gegard Mousasi for the 185 pound title, is that what you and your team have been told? For sure. You know, that's the plan. You know, uh, the, the next step right now is the middleweight title. Uh, we're just going to postpone the fight, I'm pretty sure. 
Obviously, we can't control what is going on in the world, but, you know, you're getting ready, you're getting mentally prepared to, to make history and fight for a second world title. Was there a part of you that, I mean, you had to have been bummed that the event got postponed, even though you understood what was going on, right? Yeah, I was definitely bummed, but at the same time, you know, safety, safety comes first. You know what I mean? Very disappointed, of course, but uh, I know the fight's still going to happen in the future, so that may be a little more calm, you know. Uh, I was, man, I was so looking forward to that fight. It was such a, a big and exciting challenge, you know. You know, it was just, just you know, happy times, you know what I mean? But uh, it's okay, I was just training, you know, as much as I can, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one with my coaches, you know, a lot of private, you know, uh, you know, four guys in the training room. We're still putting our work, and, you know, as much as we can for the for what's going on, you know, because uh, I'm fortunate to have my gym, you know, so I can open the doors whenever I want, just wipe everything off, you know what I mean? Don't put more than four people. That's what I've been doing this past crazy month. You know, so I mean, I'm, I'm still able to get some work here. You've seen how this is being handled throughout the sport with the with COVID-19 and Bellator is waiting for this all to turn the corner. This is how your promotion is handling it. And there are other organizations like the UFC. They're doing everything they can to move forward to input these events on for the fans and for the fighters. What is your take on how things are being handled by these promotions during this difficult time? Uh, I mean, yeah, they're trying to do as much as they can. You know what I mean? As long as they're, you know, taking the safe steps, you know, taking, you know, not just speak about, you know, whatever the money that's going to bring, you know, but also, man, they're trying to, you know, give the fighters their job, you know what I mean, as much as they can. But it's not easy, though. It's not easy for them. It's not easy for the fighters. You know, a lot of the fighters depend on the fight money to survive, you know, so on that part, I'm really glad that, they, that they're trying to make it happen, you know what I mean, so we can at least get a paycheck, keep working, uh, but at the same time, we have to be safe, you know, what, 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 good that is, what good is it if, you know, somebody got infected, you know, doing one of the events, you know what I mean, so it's a lot that they got to think about, you know, a lot that they got to do, but as long as they try, you know, the safest way possible, I'm happy with it, and I agree. You know, if uh, they offer me a fight, you know, I'll be the first one to say yes. So you think by the end of the summer, July, maybe August, do you feel like this middleweight title fight between you and Gegard Mousasi will have already happened, or worst case, be booked? I pray so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope so. And I'll be ready by then. You know, they give me six weeks. Give you, you ready? I'll be there. I'll be there, ready to go. <laughs> I know this is kind of hard to say because you don't know when you'll fight again, right? But, you know, how do you see this year playing out for you? What are some of the goals you have for yourself from a professional and a personal standpoint? Yeah, I mean, first thing, you know, the gym, you know, I just opened my gym. Everything is ready. You know, I got an American top team here in Georgia, you know, in Lawrenceville. Uh, First thing is just to open a gym, you know, just waiting on the on the goal, you know, and seriously a lot us to do is the wheel and fight two times. You know, I, mean, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but my goal is to fight two times. 
win this belt, you know, maybe defend or defend a welterweight, you know, end of the year, December. Uh, that's the plan, you know, but uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, you know, how long this is still going to go on. Uh, just play for the best, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to do two fights this year. So like we said, you were featured on the debut episode of Bellator Recharged this past Saturday, looking back on Bellator 192, which even though you didn't come up with the victory, it ended up being an important night in your career in hindsight. But what other fights, what other fight cards were th- that you were involved in do you recommend the promotion put out there for people to see on future episodes for Wednesday nights, 8 Eastern on CBS Sports Network? What's the... Uh, what are the golden fights for Douglas Lima that everyone should watch? Uh, sure, there's a bunch. I mean, all the <laughs> knockouts they should be running. Right. <laughs> MVP was topic, you know, that MVP knockout. A lot of people love it. Uh, you know, I think my third fight with Curtis Scott was a really good one as well. And, you know, all of the other finishes. You know, people like finishes. People like knockouts. So they can just show all my 10 knockouts here. <laughs> just do a, a whole Douglas Lima Bellator recharge episode. The the top ten knockouts in Douglas Lima's go. career. How about that? It writes itself. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. You know, all finishes, all finishes. People like that. There you go. I think we we made something happen here. Ratings are going to shoot through the roof, Douglas. I appreciate it, man. You've obviously been a part of some big moments on some big cards in Bellator history. So I think we're going to be seeing some more of you on future episodes of Bellator Recharge and uh, probably some big moments coming your way in the future of this sport as well. I hope this fight with Gegard Mousasi happens for you. And uh, thank you again. Hopefully we'll talk soon before that fight happens, man. I really appreciate it. All right, big thanks to Douglas Lima for the time reliving those fights with Rory McDonald, especially the first one, the decision loss. But that loss has really flipped the switch even more so for Douglas Lima as he looks like he's going to have a, a big opportunity to capture a second title simultaneously, possibly later on this summer against Gegard Mousasi. Now let's check in with Marlon Marias. This is actually the first time I had the chance to speak with him, and I'm glad that we did. And I'm not a fighter, but it's always great chatting with fellow parents, fellow dads, especially during this pandemic, because as you can see, there's toys and trains all over my office right now, which I just realized looking at this camera. But uh, of course, the fight talk is great, too, as he prepares to fight Piotr Jan. But I really enjoy this conversation with Marlon Marias. All right, we have the number one ranked contender in the UFC's Bantamweight division. And as of now, he's scheduled to face Piotr Jan June 13th at the event in Kazakhstan. But we're in a very interesting time right now. So let's get an update and check in with Marlon Marias, Mr. Magic himself. Marlon, how are you, man? I'm fine. I'm doing fine. You know, uh, tough times right now we are living, but we are making everything possible to get a good training and get prepared for the fight. Fight might not happen in Kazakhstan, but the UFC confirmed the fight's happening. We're just waiting to hear where, you know, and let's see what's going to happen and where we're going to go. We'll get into that uh, a little more in a minute, but first things first, how are you and the family doing right now during this pandemic and with the quarantine and everything? We're good, you know, everything's fine. I'm with my family. We are staying most of the time home. Nobody's going anywhere. I'm the only one. Uh, sometimes I go to the gym and I, I go grocery, you know, I'm doing everything right now 
and I'm just trying to, to keep them safe and I'm doing everything possible not to get anything and keep myself healthy to, you know, just to, to keep this just going. Like you said, you're you're trying to train as best as you can with everything being pretty much closed off right now. There's no big gatherings or anything like that. You got to do what you got to do. But during these times, like I feel like, and I go through this myself, we take a lot of these things for granted. So how much do you miss like full on training sessions, big group of teammates, sparring that whole group mentality? How much do you miss all that right now? Yeah, I miss a lot. You know, I was just, just telling some of my training partners and, and let them know uh, how I feel, you know, I was telling them that, that I miss the people in the gym, the energy. Of course, sometimes we, we want to be by ourselves, especially us as a professional fighters. You know, we go in there, we fight, we go, we fight on TV, we represent everyone. But sometimes it's good to see different people, you know, in the gym, blood, talk with different people, people that don't talk about fight, you know. And right now, uh, at, at actually at the American Top Team, you only see fighters and only people that have fights coming up and small groups, you know, they're taking care and, and they're watching everyone and making sure everybody can get some training, you know. So how many people are usually in the gym with at one time? It's just like one or two people plus yourself? Yeah, we are in like different different parts of the gym, you know, small groups and not, not many people, not group training at all. Who are you working with specifically or does it kind of mix and match depending on the day? Yeah, I work with, with my coach and I got this guy Paolo and other guys for wrestling, but we are trying to stick with one or two maximum of guys. So this fight's going to happen with Pierre Jan on June 13th. Location, I guess, TBD right now, Kazakhstan. H- have they told you that it's it's probably unlikely that it's going to happen there at this point? So where are we kind of at as far as the location goes? Yes, they said 100% it's not happening in Kazakhstan. This has been a, a really interesting year for you, Marlon, has it? I mean, from the fight with Cejudo to the Aldo fight, where the entire story heading into that fight wasn't even really about the fight itself. It was about whether or not Jose Aldo would make weight. He does. You win that fight. But then Jose Aldo ends up signing to fight Henry Cejudo for the title. And we heard Dana talk about it after you beat Aldo. And nobody really believed that this could happen. But when you found out that the man you just beat was scheduled to fight for the title, how did you react to that? What was going on in your mind? Man, to make that, to, to get a fight done, you just need to have uh, two guys and the main guy right there is Henry. Henry is the champion and Henry wants to fight him. And that's why he got the title shot. He didn't get the title shot because he's out. He didn't get the title shot because he's all resume because of Dana. He got the title shot because Henry see uh, behind this fight a lot of things that Aldo was bringing in and Aldo's a legend and everything else. But to be honest, he doesn't deserve. I think that's other guys out there that served this fight more than he did. Pierre, I actually was reading an interview with Pierre Jan prior to jumping out with you, and he kind of commented on that. He thought Aldo and Cruz, which we'll get into in a minute, he thought that it's it's just such a bad look for the UFC to to make those fights. Do do you agree with him, or do you did you kind of see this coming with with Cejudo asking for it? Man, to be honest with you, I see. As Aldo, I didn't like it because I see Peter Young, I see Cody, Sandy Hagen, I see Sterling. That's guys out there, you know, and these guys, they should be fighting. Aldo just lost the fight. It was a close fight. I think I won, 
But, you know, you, you, you don't get a title shot coming off a loss. And let's be honest, uh, Sterling is a good streak. Sandy Hagen is a good streak. And Peter Young has been impressive lately. So one of those guys should get it. And they didn't. But Dominic Cruz, he's out there. He's working out. The guy being hurt forever. And he did a lot for the sport. He did a lot for the division. And he just can't get going, you know. He can't stay healthy. And at this point, they probably thought, let's do Sterling. But Sterling is hurt. And let's do Peter Young. He's out of the country. He can't get here in a month. He needs a little bit more time. I think he only can get here in June. This is what I think. And Dominic Cruz probably raised his hand and he said he'll fight him. And who who would say no, you know? And Dominic Cruz is a big name. I think it's good for the division have him back. Oh, he gets hurt in, in this and that. Okay, man. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Dominic Cruz. I think he deserves anything in this sport. And if they're giving him a fight for the title, hopefully he make it. And might be his last one. We don't know. You know, he's always hurt. We never know. And if he's healthy now, he said, yes, he signed the contract. Let's make it happen. You know, who, who's not going to watch this fight? To be honest, I'm going to watch. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting matchup on paper. So, so kind of going back to that, when... You know, the information was coming out with the coronavirus that it seemed like Aldo not only wasn't going to be able to fight in Brazil, but wasn't going to be able to come to the States to fight. Was there a part of you that thought you might get tagged in here, even though you had a fight booked that, that maybe you would get another crack at Henry? I wasn't expecting to be the next, you know, that's guys on the line and me, I'm not going to keep begging. But of course, I called Ali and I said, Ali, if anything happened, fight week two weeks to the fight, you can let them know I can fight, I can make weight, I'm training, and I'm never going to let the UFC down, you know, if they ever call me and if they ever think I deserve a fight or I'll, I'm here, you know, I'm fighting, I'll fight, I'll fight Henry or I'll fight Cruz if I have to. If anything happened that fight, I can get ready and I can fight. Ahead of this fight with Piotr Jan, he's been on a long winning streak. He's won nine in a row. He just finished Uriah Faber. He did it right before you stepped into the cage to fight Jose Aldo. You said you've been impressed with his run, but kind of going through and, and dissecting the fights, you know, what do you think of the matchup on paper between you and Piotr Jan? Because this is a really interesting fight in a lot of different ways. Yeah, to be honest, I have a fight with a, a high skillful guy, you know, tough fighter. Like you just said, everything he brings to the table. And I can even think about the title shot right now. I'm focused on this guy. I'm focused what I have to do to beat him. And I'm working hard and I'm trying to get better everywhere and bring June 13, my A game, you know, be the best I ever been. And this is how I can beat this guy if I get there and I do everything I, I know. And, and and he you just said he's in a good streak. He's been beating guys. He finished a couple guys. UFC's talking highly about him. And he's almost there. Like I told you, I think he's one of the next for the for the title shot. And so if he's next, why not take a fight with him and maybe take his spot, you know? It's something that I'm aiming for. I'm training hard. And we'll see. Hopefully this fight happened June 13. And I can take his chance, take his shot. 
Have you seen holes in his game? Because he's, you know, he's had his moments where, you know, there's been a hiccup or two. But I think all fighters go through that. But he's come through on the other side and gotten his hand raised. Have you seen any holes through throughout the fights that you've watched of him? Everyone that swing hands got holes. You know, if you want to swing one, you can you can get swing back. You know, and that's what happened. That's 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 fight. That's the fight business. If you want to hit someone, you can get hit too. And in the fight, two tough guys, two tough fighters. We are both good strikers, and we know the ground. We know the wrestling game, and we can blink. In this fight, you can blink, and you can make mistakes. And this is what we're working. We're working on getting there. Don't make mistake and get the hand raised. It's got to be his first UFC main event, and you've been in the spot a few times already competing in fights scheduled for five rounds. Do you see your main event experience, that big fight experience? Is that going to be a factor heading into this fight, do you think? Fight's a fight. There's two guys, you know, 50-50, and going to this fight is 50-50. You can win or you can lose. And I'm going there, and I want to hit him first and be the winner. Where do you think this fight will end up happening? Like, do you think it happens in the U.S.? Do you maybe even on this mystical fight island that we keep hearing about? Like, where do you United, think this will I happen? think, to be honest, I think United States. I think by June, he'll be able to get his visa, and we will we will fight in June for sure. I know you guys got a, a little bit of a ways to go to get here, and I don't know if you've even thought this far ahead. Like you said, it's two guys going in there. Whoever makes a mistake is going to pay for it, but. How do you sort of envision this all playing out on June 13th? This way, whatever miss and get hit back is going to go down and that's it. You're not looking past Piotr Jan, but you, you're probably looking a little bit ahead here. Are you confident that if you go out there and beat Piotr Jan and have a great performance that you will get another shot at the belt in your next fight? Or do you think you're going to have to win a couple more? I think it's a great chance. A great chance. You know, you're in the mix. We just got to get this ball going, you know, we got to, this is something that pissed me off almost every day. We don't see that bantamweight belt on the line more times. We got to see that belt four times a year at least, you know, and we got so many guys, you know, every one of us want to be world champion. We just got to get that belt on the line more times and we'll see everyone fight, everyone one. Everybody home will be entertained. That's only tough guys and good fighters. And why not, you know, keep active, you know? People just just want to hold the belt and say they were champion, you know? Uh, you got to be world champion and put on the line. Put on the line two, three times. Make the, give the UFC shows, you know? That's it. That's what I think. I want to get there and I want to get that ball going. Do you think 35 is the deepest and the best division in the UFC right now? It's one of, you know, I see at least eight tough guys, eight tough fighters that can beat each other in any given day. And a bantamweight, it's tough to do that, knock people out, finish. And in our division, we've been seeing this all the time. So I think it's one of the best out there, definitely. Selfishly, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, I need to see you fight Dominic Cruz at some point. Like I, it, it, like when you signed with the UFC and you started running off some wins, I was like, oh man, now we have to do Marais versus Cruz. And like you said, he just couldn't get back. But I think that's the fight to make at some point. 
I know you have a lot of respect for Cruz. He's he's been he's a oh, legend. He's a long champion. Is that a fight that you've had your eye on as well? Is that kind of like a dream matchup for you? Yeah, we've been working for this fight a couple of times, but he didn't accept. I don't blame him. He wants to to, to get there. He wants to fight for the title, and but I, I believe that he should get on one of none of the horses on the line too. You know, that's a couple of tough guys, and and you'll see, man. If if he doesn't win or if he wins, I just hopefully and I just I just want to see that belt on the line more times. Do you suddenly become a Dominic Cruz fan on May 9th? Because you have to think if he beats Cejudo and you beat Jan, your chances to get back to the belt just got much better. Is that how you're looking at it at all? Or are you just focused on June 13th and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know, I just I just want to win my fight, put on a great performance. And after that, keep fighting. Like I, I told you, I said, I want to see the belt on the line, but... I'm an active fighter. I want to keep fighting. You know, I want to fight at least two times this year. I think everyone wants. Everyone knows. Some guys Some guys just want to be a UFC fighter. That's not my goal. You know, I want to keep fighting and that's it. What other things have you been doing during this quarantine time besides training and getting ready for a fight? Is there things that you've done that maybe you've been putting off for a while and now that you have a little bit of extra time that you've been able to do? I always stay with my family, but right now I'm trying to do more things with my kids, entertain them. I have two kids and it's tough. It's tough. They have a lot of energy and I got to teach my son how to ride a bike. He's five years old and it was something that I accomplished. We did some repairs in the house. I did some painting, cleaning, cleaning every day. <laughs> and I washed my car, my wife's car a couple of times. <laughs> just looking for, for just looking to stay busy you know it was fun long time I don't wash my car and I wash after probably a year maybe more than one year how excited was your five-year-old when you let go of the bike riding did it all by you know did it all by themselves like how cool was that for you and how excited was was your kid when when that all happened he couldn't believe he couldn't believe <laughs> it was cool it's good. We, we keep thinking about when we were there, you know, time flies. We just got to enjoy every second and and have passion, have passion with the kids and put the time in for them. Absolutely. My kid wants to be Spider-Man right now. So he's I'm always running around. I have to be the bad guy all the time. So he just like beats the crap out of me and I have to let him do it to, to make him feel <laughs> better. About himself. But that's what we got to do as parents, right? My son wants to be every day a different superhero. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't have a go-to. He just every day is a different one. Every day a different one, especially with Netflix. Every day he watches a different one and every day he got a new one. Yeah, I've watched Spider-Man 3 like 500 times over the last four weeks. It's been uh, it's been yeah. unbelievable. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's, I'm, yeah, trying to, I'm trying to get him to my world too. You know, I try to watch some some movies that I watched back in the days when I was young and my son he's five years old and he likes uh he wants to be a police officer for, for maybe for two years he keeps saying that and I, I got into the police academy <laughs> we watched the whole we watched the whole thing we watched from from one all the way up to seven and it was fun good times you know Every day we watch one, and you, I was telling him about it. 
we go on a bike every day he 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 calls himself one of the guys it's cool it's cool <laughs> so he liked it he loved it he loved it he talks he thinks he's michael winslow <laughs> <laughs> you watch right you watch right you, oh you i watched them i haven't seen him in years though yeah it was fun me too i i saw on netflix and i was flipping movies and wow they have the whole the whole season from one to seven so i got to watch it was fun it was fun i'm gonna have to check those out with him and see if he can sit through one i try to i tried to watch naked gun with him because i mean that's kind of a cop movie and it's just ridiculous but he was just he did like 15 minutes of that and he was like no i want to watch spider-man and you know i have how old is your son he's seven Ah, uh, he's gonna he's like the police, on, police, uh, yeah, police academy school. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get him into that. So I'm trying, got, to, find, trying got, to find some common ground. I got in front of me now whole, all my son's Legos. He come up with the idea to to put it together. Every white, black, blue, yellow. We we have to separate all the colors, and now we are putting all together. That's tough. Yeah, my kid just got into Legos too, so I'm dealing with that. It's a big mess. He dumps all the stuff on the floor, and it takes forever to clean. But uh, it's fun putting that stuff together and watching it build and seeing the look on their you, face. You have only wow. one, just one. the one. Okay, I have a, I have one. It's 15, 16 months, and the big one dropped all the Legos on the ground, and I have to keep watching because the other one want to eat them. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember those days very, very well. It's uh, you know, it's a tough time in the world, but you know, you're you're staying as positive as you possibly can. You're enjoying this extra family time, so that's obviously a plus for sure, Marlon. And I'm I'm glad we were able to to chat and, and and as we get ready for this fight on June 13th. But before we let you go, is is there anything else you want to get off your chest for everybody as we get ready for this big fight? Man, I just want everyone to stay positive. You know, help each other, give give good energy. You know, because that's the time we gotta all. Stay together, stick together, because we're going to go over this. We're going to win this battle. And at some point, this is all going to be uh, a bad time that we live in, that we overcame. You know, that I think that's all. I, I was even telling someone uh, that, of course, I want to fight now. Of course, I want to go to a camp now. That's an experience. You know, you as a fighter, you have to, to fight in every atmosphere, you know, this atmosphere right now, it's tough. It's hard. We can't get the best training possible. But this is going to make us stronger for the next fight and for the next. And that's it, man. We got we to gotta fight and we got to win every day, day by day. Well said. Uh, at least you're not Frankie Edgar right now who had a tornado hit his house. Did you yes, hear about that? I saw that at least. So crazy, man. But I really appreciate the time, Marlon. All the best Thank to you, you over the next several weeks in preparation. Great matchup, man. So helpless, selfishly, I hope we get to see it. But uh, hope you and the family stay safe. Enjoy that extra family time. We'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mike. Have a good night. All right. Great stuff from Magic Marlon Marais. Very positive, very happy guy. And it looks like that fight with Piotr Jan is a go for June 13th. Location, TBD, somewhere on Earth. But, uh... You know, could this be a Fight Island event? I mean, Dana White did say that he could bring in fighters from the States to go to Fight Island. Piotr Yad being an international fighter, perhaps we could see uh, some Fight Island action on June 13th. But uh, more on that coming soon. But uh, let's get to our final guest of the week. One of the bright up and coming prospects in our sport. Let us check in with Bellator featherweight Aaron Pico. 
All right, we move ahead to our next guest. He got back on track with a second-round knockout win over Daniel Carey at Bellator 238 back in January. Happy to be joined by Aaron Pico. Aaron, it's been a minute, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Everything's well. Just uh, just kicking it, hanging out. Not, not too much. So, yeah, I'm happy to do this. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. How have you been uh, holding up during this quarantine and this pandemic that's taken over the world for the past couple of months? Yeah, it's been tough, but it's it's been a bittersweet. Of course, it's cool to just be able to hang out and and uh, you know do things that you know you're not usually able to do during the week. But uh, I, you know, of course, I want to be at the gym. There's a lot of there's a lot of goals I set for myself. So when you can't go to the gym, it's kind of hard. But I'm getting my workouts in when I can. But for the most part, just uh, riding my horse, cleaning stalls, uh, yeah, just doing that. Like I said, just getting some workouts when I when I when I can. But I'm not putting like pressure on myself. Like I have to be doing something every single day and push my body. A lot of people, you know, always tell me that man, you need to chill for a little bit. You know, just relax. So, you know, now's my time to do it and uh, just let my body recover because I go pretty hard during training camp. So, it's all good. Have you always had a horse and had stalls and things like that throughout your life, or is this something new that's happened over the last couple of years or so? No, I've always ridden horses. I started riding horses when I was a young kid. I took I took lessons. I worked at the stables, doing like trail rides and things like that. And um, I got away from it for a little bit because I was traveling the world so much, wrestling and and doing all kinds uh, of stuff like that. I, I couldn't really. I don't have time. I didn't have time for a horse. But when I yeah. Turned pro in MMA. I, I bought myself a horse, and uh, it's kind of like I wasn't doing as much traveling. And uh, back in LA, like I had a stable that I'd go to and keep my horses there. But here in Albuquerque, I, I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to have uh, two stalls in my backyard for the horses, a little arena, and uh, I can I can ride out my front front gate, go out on trails, and and uh, it's pretty cool. So I'm enjoying it a lot. So, but I've ridden horses a, a lot of a lot of uh, my years growing up. So. So it's good to to go back and kind of relive those days and it helps yeah. you relax as well. Put your put your head in the right place. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I really, really enjoy it. I've just have had a passion for horses since since I've been a kid. It's just been as another I can't get away from it. I've got away from it for a few years, but it was always I was always researching horses and watching YouTube videos. So uh, I'm very fortunate now I can have my I can have uh, two horses. So I, I'm in I'm in heaven. There you go. Yeah. It's um, it's been a wild start to your MMA career from the the Freeman fight in your debut to going on that streak of highlight reel knockouts to you know you had a couple of setbacks and then you bounced back with the big win back in January. We'll get into that last fight in a moment, but man, how would you describe this first just under three years of your Bellator career? Yeah, that's. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't crazy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been been really crazy because I've come from wrestling. You know, you lose like. You lose a match or whatever, you know, you take second at the world championships, you take third, but there's always like, you know, there's always a tournament to go and like get your confidence back and, and redeem yourself. With MMA, it's a little bit different because you're not fighting every week and you're not, you know, it's every couple, a couple of months. So I think the biggest thing is waiting, you're waiting and your mind's constantly going. And then now obviously with social media and, and uh, commentators, they always have their two cents of what's going on or what you need to do. So it's been it was a roller coaster ride, but luckily for me, I uh, you know I don't I don't I'm a wrestler. That's 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 we bounce back from losses, you know all all kinds of things. You know I, I I'm pretty strong in that aspect, but there's nothing to it. I just 
picked myself up and got back in the gym. Like, people ask me, oh, it's so crazy. It's so hard. But, you know, shit happens, man, uh, in business and life. And if you're going to let one, two, three things set you back and not pursue your, your dreams, then, then they probably weren't your dreams in the first place. It's interesting you say that people are putting in their two cents because as you're going through that four-fight winning streak and you're having all these viral moments on social media and all, you got MMA fans and media members all over the place saying, well, we'll see what happens when he gets tested by a veteran. And yeah. yet they don't keep in mind that that you knocked out Leandro Higo, who was a veteran in his own right. And then after the Corrales fight, that fight was absolutely wild and bonkers. You know, yeah. you know, became Bellator moved him up too quickly. So it's kind of it's it's yeah. got to kind of be tough being in an almost can't win situation so young in your career, right? Did that start to get to you at all? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is just like there's so many people like that uh, that that you meet or this or that. I, I have no problem taking criticism. That's not pro- that's no problem, you know, by coaches, by other, you know, even fans sometimes. But it just gets really old when you constantly like me you meet somebody and then you know they you they start talking oh well you maybe you should have done this you need to do this it's like you have no no clue of what's going on in mma you don't know what's like to be in a cage you know there's so many things so and you get reporters you get people that say well you need to do this you need to go train with this guy you need to do this it's like slow your roll just let me do my thing i can figure this out you know i i i uh i won you know a lot of things growing up and uh uh, MMA is a whole completely different beast, you know. It's not wrestling, it's not boxing, and uh, I, I'm still figuring it out. But uh, I mean, that that's that's what makes the sport so crazy. Is one, there's so many disciplines that you need to train. There's so many uh, you know variables that go into a fight. So I just I take people's uh, criticism. Sometimes I you know I take a little bit of what they say and very you know I'm I'm very appreciative. And then sometimes I just goes through one year and out the other so everybody's got their opinions but uh i've got a strong team i've got great coaches around me and, and that's the people that i really need to listen to so at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what what outsiders think reporters uh that doesn't mean shit after that Corrales fight, you, you took on Adam Borch and MSG, and you were looking really good in that fight. Like you were wrestling, people were like, "Oh, he's wrestling! Look at him!" And you yeah. know, you you were you were winning pretty much every second of that fight until you yeah. got caught with that flying knee. And I'm sure it was frustrating to lose that fight in the manner that you did, or just to lose in general. But what were you able to at least take away from that night against Adam Borch at MSG? Yeah, I think. I think the you know I I was winning that fight I I even laid the laid the groundwork on on how to beat him you know he he's great great striker great uh uh but not a very good grappler uh not very good at wrestling anything like that not it means a tough fighter he beat me obviously but uh I just you know I just can't take a blind shot I think the the biggest thing for me is I was so hes- I just wanted to wrestle you know because that's what I was working on just wrestling and grappling and I forgot about my hands. I, I didn't really throw a lot of combinations like I wanted to. Um, I just was so focused on just getting the takedown. And uh, I, I won't make that mistake, especially if I want to get the takedown. I got to put my hand, you know, I got to mix up my punches a little bit into the takedown and, and throw with uh, some force like I usually do. I don't think in that fight I didn't really throw any, you know, hard punches. And, uh yeah, I just worked. I worked on a lot of grappling after that fight. I worked on so much grappling, and it's gotten so much better since since that fight. I I, I can't tell you how much um, 
jujitsu, grappling, wrestling, ground and pound I did after that fight. So it's it was uh, it was a wake up call that I needed to you know figure out some things as far as my entries on the takedowns. Would you say that's probably the biggest thing you've changed from the Borch fight heading into that last fight? Was there something maybe even from a mental perspective that that clicked that you maybe hadn't hadn't quite tapped into prior? What do you think were those biggest changes for you coming out of that MSG fight? Yeah, just not getting your mindset on one thing. You know, I was like before that fight, I was just like, oh, I got to get the takedown. I got to get the takedown. And I, I forgot about what's, you know, I forgot about even my hands. I, I probably should have used my hands a little bit more and uh to get myself into the takedown um but i think biggest thing is just not focusing on one thing just let the fight happen be aware be cautious and uh just let the fight happen a lot of eyes were on you at bellator 238 like despite being on the prelims for the event anybody that i talked to about the event it was like you know if you asked them what were the big storylines heading into that event you were right at the top of everybody's list because of what had happened in the last couple of fights how would you describe the way you approached that fight in January? Did you feel any extra pressure at all, knowing that you had lost those two previous fights? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Now, looking back, I didn't really, I didn't really even think about, oh man, I have to win this fight. I have to do this. I just was, you know, seven months since the last fight. I just was training on getting better. That's all I. That's all I was, uh, you know, focused on. And working with the coaches here in New Mexico, Greg and. Greg before the fight especially was just saying don't don't put any pressure on yourself as far as you need to do this you need to do that like I said just let the fight happen you're 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 really you're well prepared and uh I, I just felt confident going in there I knew the thing is that we studied him to a T we knew everything that he was going to throw especially with the leg kicks I knew the you know the leg kicks were coming or excuse me that the kicks were coming and uh I knew I can get the takedown use my ground and pound and and uh the first round, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you don't, you know, a lot of people get messages like, oh, you need to use your wrestling more. Absolutely, I do. But the last fight, I did use my wrestling. I, I think I ground and pounded him like the whole first round. And in the second round, I hit him with the left hook and uh, he was out, you know. So uh, that fight, I felt like it was a progression to, uh, you know, getting my confidence and uh, getting cage time. So that, that was a good fight for me and, and my team. What did it feel like when you landed that left hook? Because you've had some great knockouts in your career to this point, but you know, coming off those two losses to land that left hook and have the performance that you had, like, what did that all feel like once the ref pulled you off? It felt good. It felt really good just to finally get a win. It, I mean, a whole. I think I didn't want like almost a year without a, without a win, and you know, battling stuff, just like trying to figure the game out. Can I? You know, I've always knew. I I always know I can do it. It's just knowing, like you know, just. You just want to get back in the cage to get that to get a win, and uh, it's uh, it was a good it was a good stepping stone for us for sure. Like with my coaches, I got to the thing is I really liked I, the knockout was great. I really liked the knockout, of course. That's always, but I really liked going back to the corner and hearing what the coaches had to say, just because it's like it's experience. I never, you know, even the Madison Square Garden fight. I think I went back to the corner, and I don't even really remember what what Greg was saying or Six Gun. Uh, at, uh, in LA, I remember going back to the corner. I was calm. I listened to the coaches. I knew I can tell you everything that they said right now. And, and I think that was a big stepping stone for me. It might sound kind of dumb, but it was just a good, like, man, I get to go sit down on the stool. I get to hear coach Greg, what he has to say, what coach Gibson has to say, what Tusa has to say. And I think that was a, that was a big stepping stone for me. That's huge. I mean, a lot of fighters tell me over the years that, 
you know, that's a turning point for them. They hear their coaches, they hear even like instructions in the corner that they never heard before. Do you feel like you've, you found something with, with Jackson Wink and those guys? Cause I know you, but you bounced around, you bet it's to some different places. What specifically about Jackson Wink made you feel like this is it. I, I feel like I'm home now. Well, from the, from the first time I walked in there and then, uh, like working with coach Greg and, I, uh, I I just felt I just felt a good connection. I like how Albuquerque. I love Albuquerque. I love the the city. It's you know not a lot of driving like LA. I have to go here, go there, go there. It's kind of hard to hard for me. And for me, it's not about like having. It's about learning how to fight and learning and putting it together. So I'm around coaches that give me a lot of time, and I'm eager to learn and, and figure this thing out. So it's just being in one. Sp- spot two three times a day i'm in the gym just all right working on this working on different you know aspects of mma and that's what i really needed to be in one location and just learning how to fight so i think i i I know this place is the place for me so with everything going on in the world bellator obviously has postponed events indefinitely and scott coker hopes to be back up and running in the summertime and there's talks about hosting events at at hollywood sound at some sort of hollywood soundstage or something over the summer i know you can get some work in when you can but you know with the gathering bans and limitations it's not exactly the same like you alluded to but if you had it your way when would you like to return is there any sort of time frame you have in mind if, if all goes well and it's a perfect world yeah i don't i don't have a i don't have a a perfect time the thing is, is I'm always in shape. Like I'm always, uh, you know, staying active and you know, watching, not watching what I eat. I eat pretty clean all the time. And but for me, is yeah, I can fight whenever. But I like to. I want to be able to have an eight, ten week camp with my coaches. You know, that's the most important thing. You know, a lot of people can will take fights on short notice and that. And I give them a lot of props. But I like to be. I like to be prepared going into a fight. I, mean, I like to be on the same page with with my coaches and. That's something that I'll have to sit down with uh, my manager, Ali, and, and the coaches that I have here and, and figure out when when is the best time for us because I'm young in my career, to be honest with you. I mean, it's I don't need to take a fight to, um, you know, because I need to feed a family or this or that. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I uh, you know, live within my means, and I, and I don't need to fight right now like, oh, I need to fight next week because I need to feed my kids or something like that. I'm here in Albuquerque just training. I've got everything dialed in, and uh, I, I want to make sure I'm on the same page with my coaches. The eight, ten week training camp going into a fight, I don't think I'll I'll feel a little bit of anxiety if it's like, oh, you're fighting this, and you only have three weeks to prepare. I just that's not me. So we'll sit down with the coaches, when, you know, when this uh, quarantine is is over with, and and we'll see what they have to say. And I got to spar. I got to see where I'm at. I got to you know how I feel with the grappling and with the sparring, and so many variables that go into it. So we'll see. So you'd probably want to wait until and see once Bellator actually puts an event on, then you kind of know like, all right, at least we're back up and running. Then you can start thinking about a fight and, and putting an eight to 10 week camp together. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I haven't heard anything from Bellator to be honest with you. So I don't even, I don't even know what's going on. So it's kind of hard, it's kind of hard to train for anything. If you don't, you just, you know, stay in shape, but I'm not going to go beat myself, beat myself up and, and, uh, you know, run up a mountain and try to, go crazy with the conditioning because you don't know maybe you ah, shit i might fight in september i may fight in october i i don't know anything uh at, the, at this point right now so 
I mean, it doesn't really affect you too much, but Bellator, obviously, they've made the decision to hang back and wait for everything to turn the corner. And then across the pond, you get the UFC. They're looking at it in a totally opposite way. Let's get back to normal, yeah. at least as best as we can, and try to get some fights going here. Yeah. What is sort of your take on how things are being handled by these promotions when it comes to, to COVID-19 and everything that's going on? Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I think uh, I could see both sides. I honestly can see both sides. I could see uh, either UFC putting out fights. I mean, you know, at the end of the, I, there's a lot of fighters that need to make money, and they and they gotta they that's what they do. They gotta fight, and uh, the 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 UFC has a lot of resources, and they're able to 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 put on fights. More power to them. I, I'm not I'm not hating on anybody because it's like. You know, I have friends that fight for the UFC, and they're and they, you know, and that's how they feed their family. And Bellator, I could see where they're coming from. They want to take the precautions, and they want to, you know, whatever they feel is right. More power to them. I'm not mad at anybody, you know. Um, but like I said, if you can minimize it, no crowds, no nothing, like what Scott was saying. Hey, that sounds good to me. You know, that sounds good to me. Fight no crowd. So I could see both sides. I, I'm not. I'm not hating or like. Oh, they're they're, you know. Dana's doing what's best for his company and Scott's doing what's best for his company. And that's it's as simple as that. You know? Yeah. I'm fine. There's not much I can really say. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't go on and say, oh, they need to do this, because I don't know what goes on behind closed doors and the business side of that. It's something that's super, super new to me. And or I know I like I said, I don't know anything about that. They have their their ways and they have their company, they have their their numbers that they need to meet and stuff. And hey, whatever they feel is best. That's on them. Yeah, that's above our pay grade, Aaron. We don't yeah. need to be thinking about biz the business side of of all of this. But uh, you've been you've been with Bellator for for all eight of your fights, and I'm not sure what your contract looks like. But do you still have like a bunch of fights left with them? Where does that all stand? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I so I still um I still have some time with Bellator, um so. Yeah, I'll be fighting f with them for a little bit, for a little, a little while. Like as far as a contract and things like that, I saw, I saw some time with them. So, yeah, I'll be. Uh, uh, I, uh, I don't know the. I gotta go look and read like the exact dates of when the contract ends. But I, I saw some time with them. So, do you feel like you'd want to be with them your entire career? I mean, you're a competitor, and you've, you know, you've been a part of wrestling, and you've been part of boxing, and now you're in MMA. You know, from a competitive standpoint, do you think you may want to explore and test the waters in other spots in the future? I mean, you're only 23 years old, so you have plenty of time to think about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm I'm young, you know, and and then uh, as far as that question, uh, my 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 job is just to be able to put on performances and and uh, put on highlight reels like I've done before. And I think when the time comes, that's why that's why we have managers. That and uh, I, I think when that time comes, I'm going to sit down with Ali and, and my team and, and figure out what's what's best best for us. Um, you know, but Bellator has been very very good to me. I've you know I've had some ups and downs with them, so they've treated me very very well. But you know, like at the end of the day, it's a business. I got to sit down with my team and figure out what's best best for us. And uh, when that time comes. I'll leave. Uh, I'll, I'll let let the negotiating go with Ali, and and uh, and we'll see. We'll see. But my job right now is just to put on put on great fights, which I'm which I'm gearing up to do. Doing a lot of studying, and uh, I can't wait to get back in the cage. I can't wait. 
Yeah, you've you've always been a line them up kind of a guy for Bellator. You're not really the call out type. You don't talk trash really. You just go in there and like you said, you go in there and fight. But you know, is there someone that sticks out that that you feel maybe a good step for your next fight that can challenge you and that you know maybe you wouldn't mind punching in the face or you're still just kind of kind of you know take whatever Bellator gives you and just and just do your darn thing. Yeah, that's I mean that's the biggest thing. I mean you can call out every you can call anybody call people out and you have it's obviously beyond beyond your control you know it's you know with bellator so yeah whatever bellator decides to give me i leave i leave that up to my to my manager ali i'm not i'm not he says hey you're fighting this guy and hey let's do it you know that's just kind of how i am and i don't think i'm really in a position right now to be like hey i need to fight this guy fight that guy because even if i do call them out that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna uh, fight them with Bellator. So, of course, there's a lot of guys you want to fight, but we'll just take one step at a time and, and uh, put on some performances and and uh, see where that goes. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll just like I said, I'll just stay in my lane right now and uh, get get my uh, get my cage time. There's there's so many fighters out there who are in the sport that are trying to make it at a young age, and I feel like now, especially in 2020, it's a really interesting time because there are kids who. At 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, their goal isn't to be firefighters and police officers. They want to be Bellator champions and, and, and MMA professional fighters. They want to fight on t- on television, maybe even sooner. That have been kids that have been training their entire lives since they were like six, seven, eight years old with dreams of being a professional fighter. What advice would you give to to some of these younger fighters looking to make MMA their career choice over the next few years? Like, what would you say if someone who's 15, 16 years old that wants to get into the sport came up to you and asked you that question? What kind of advice would you give them? Uh, the only advice I'd give them is just just uh, take your time. Take your time and work. And and uh, uh, when you're starting off in your career, just uh, you know surround yourself with a good team, good coaches, and and take your time. That's there's no rush to be uh, the youngest world champion. If it comes your way, great, and you're prepared for it, great. But take your time and just work your ass off. And that, that's the only thing I can possibly say. Work your ass off and uh, and 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 don't stop. Don't stop. It's very very simple. But when you do turn pro, take your time and uh, make sure your your team is is on the same page as far as everything and. Do what's best for you. Not anybody else. Do what's best for you. Well said, Aaron. Great stuff. I really appreciate the time. And the last time we had spoken was right before the Lee Morrison fight a couple of oh. years back. It was one that I remembered for sure. I think uh, you got Dylan Dennis's attention after that conversation, if I recall. But uh, it was yeah. great chat with you again, man. Stay healthy. Stay safe. I wish you all the best during this crazy time in the world. Enjoy the horses. And uh, hopefully you get back in that octagon or that cage sooner rather than later, man. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. All the best to you and your family, and uh, and stay safe. Hopefully this is over soon. All right. Thanks, brother. Take care. You as well. All right. There he is, Aaron Pico, wrapping up another edition of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com. Thank you all for watching and listening, and make sure you subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast because – you know, especially the YouTube stuff, we're going to have some bonus interviews. We dropped the chat with John Wood last week as a little bit of a bonus. We get some other stuff in the works for this week as well. Also, if you haven't checked out Eurobash this week, it is phenomenal. Pizzi Carroll and Niall McGrath 
always bring the goods. Their banter and their Irish accents are just something to behold. And uh, they chatted with Jack Herbanson, Leon Edwards, and Brendan Lochnane this week. A-Side on Wednesday had Roxanne Mataferi. So we're trying to bring you the best content possible in a really crazy time in the world. And with the fight week coming up, expect a lot of stuff over the next couple of weeks, that is for sure. Big thank you to Casey Lydon and Esther Lynn, the legends behind the scenes, making this show look as good as it does. All credit goes to them. And a big shout out to all of you who check out the show each and every week. Five shows down, hopefully infinity more to come. I am Mike Heck. Enjoy your last stretch without fights for a little while. And as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.